0: The impact on the business is something that drives me. Truly applying agile principles is extremely important. I think attracting people its very simple because we have an iconic brand and people like that. A mixed pool of candidates and a mixed pool of interviewers. We've seen big results. If these 50% women don't speak up, your environment is not diverse. And as a leader, I really try to make sure that all people speak up. I'm giving freedom, but I'm very clear about what I want to see achieved. When you put company interest above personal interests, your career will fly naturally. The biggest thing for me is building something unique that gives you that advantage in the
1: This is CRNA TV, my name is Hendrik Deckers, uh, and today I'm here with Sabine Evraat at the European headquarters of Coca-Cola. Welcome Sabine. Thank you. Sabine graduated uh, as a master in commercial engineering from the University of Leuven. In her early career, she was a consultant at KPNG and PricewaterhouseCoopers. She has a proven track record of 24 years at Coca-Cola, where she started as uh, a business analyst, and now for the last 10 years has been the CIO of Europe, and now a In 2011, Sabine was awarded Belgian CIO of the Year as the first uh, woman ever, and she's strongly committed to women and career opportunities, and is the chair for Coca-Cola Enterprise Women's Leadership Council. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, Sabine, welcome, and thank you for hosting us in your beautiful location. My pleasure so what I would like to start with is, uh, you told me about your outlet segmentation project as a very nice example of uh, doing innovative things with, uh, with IT and digital. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so I think about two years ago, we started working with all our business units and our bottling partners, um, understanding what was important to digitize our enterprise. And one of the things that came out was we need to become a more data-driven company. And as such, we need to build out our platforms around advanced analytics. So how do you do that? I mean, it sounds like an easy task, but in a global company as we are, it's quite a challenging challenging task. Mm. So what we started to do in Europe, so in Western Europe specifically, is we have kicked off a big program with our bottler in Western Europe. And the purpose actually of that program was threefold. So, in the first place, we were looking at if we want to do things more in the future together, Coca Cola Company and Butler, mm-hmm. would it be good to have a common infrastructure, a common platform that is allowing us to think more ecosystem, partnership as it comes to sharing data, analyzing shared data, etc. So we've built out a common infrastructure, we're using the same tools now that is allowing us to work a lot more together. So that is done. And we're actually having the full Microsoft Azure environment to do so. Um, The second objective of that program was if we want to do advanced analytics in a more sustainable manner, we will have to set up an organization with the right people, the right capabilities, the right governance process Mm -hmm. to make that happen on an ongoing basis. And we didn't want to spend money for a one-off thing. So we've built a whole operating model. We've really laid out all the roles we need on the company side, on the bottler side, on the IT side, on the business side, to be able to do advanced analytics going forward in the future, right? And in that context, actually, from an EMEA IT perspective, we have set up an advanced analytics hub in Sofia. So we have a team that is a bit bigger than 10 people now with data scientists, data engineers, even visualization engineers to help the business interpret the insights. Um, So that is set up on our side. The third objective of that program was, if we are able to set up, you know, we have the right infrastructure and we have the right capabilities in place, can we pilot two use cases to prove that these things make sense going forward? So we have set up two use cases or two what we we call it use cases it's actually two business questions we're trying to answer and the first one is specifically for Barcelona where we're looking at 18,000 outlets so an outlet for us could be a bar a restaurant or could be a traditional store actually Um, and what we're trying to look at is rather than thinking about data we have from the past and analyzing data from the past is more looking at if we add a lot more data sources and variables to the outlet, will we have a different view of the potential of the outlet rather than just looking at what we sold in the past? And what, yep. what kind of extra data is that? So when we're thinking about uh, extra data, this is really it, it's, it's external data from TripAdvisor, it's data from Facebook, it's around events that take place around these outlets, it's even weather data, mm-hmm. predictions around that, etc. Um, so we're adding all these external sources and then we're looking at a totally different way to these outlets. Now the thing is where we used to classify our outlets in the past into gold, silver, bronze, you know, that's the way we visit them. So we would visit the, the, the golden ones more than the bronze ones. Yep. But what we've seen now is we're looking at the potential is that the gold the, the bronze ones might actually have a bigger potential yep. than, than the golden ones. So. The complex thing now is, as we've done the test for the 18,000 outlets, is to truly change the way we operate. Mm-hmm. So embedding the insights into the new business processes is actually the, business the, the, the biggest challenge. Okay. So, uh, and I think as an IT organization, you can easily drive lots of use cases and answer lots of business questions, but the business needs to be able to follow in embedding the change no. Into uh, into into the day-to-day operations. Um, now it's been a nice project. We've done a similar one in Germany, actually. That was more around making sure, as we launch new products, that the conversion rates in the outlets was highest. Similar uh, similarly as the one in Barcelona, the uplift in the business is 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 quite significant. Um, and we're very proud because it's it's been very IT driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had a bit of issues in the beginning to bring the business on board. They were like, what are you trying to achieve, Sabine? But after a while, they said, now we see the results. We really understand what you're after. So I think that's been good. And at the same time, we've been able to influence our senior leaders as well. And they are really grasping now what it means to collect data and to use it uh, for growing the business.
1: Okay, so the project came out of the IT department that we want to build an infrastructure and a process. Absolutely. And do the learning for advanced analytics and this we think is a, is a great use case for this, and so we're going to drive this.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's been completely IT-driven, uh, but as you demonstrate business benefits, mm-hmm. you get the business easily easily uh, around you and supporting the initiative. Yep. And it's been, it's been a bit complex as well, because it's not something you can just do on the side of the Coca-Cola company. So we're a marketing company, and we're, you know, we may concentrate and we sell it to our bottling partners, but we really had to collaborate with a different organization, yeah, different IT yeah. department, um, and at the same time we had to work with our corporate colleagues as well because we're still using standard platforms and their support for these big initiatives is actually very, very free. And what was,
1: what was their reaction? Because the, did I see this coming? or? Um?
0: Well, actually we have, a, we have what we call a system IT board where the CIOs of the bigger bottlers come together twice a year with our global CIO. And the regional cios like myself um, and as part of that uh, meeting actually we had decided that the bottler in western europe which is actually the biggest one in the world from a revenue perspective mm-hmm. would work with us and lead this piece on behalf of the world so the purpose now is that the algorithms we've built the governance model we've built you know, the platform that we have designed, that this is the example for the rest of the world. And now we start working, we do the same, a similar project in Nigeria. Um, and for the whole of EMEA, for example, we have a project which we call Revenue Growth Management, which is basically building algorithms around uh, assortment optimization, price elasticity, elasticity, etc. And we're building that on the same analytics platform as well. And that is something we're spreading around the world as well. So if I understand it correctly,
1: the Coca-Cola company is not only providing the concentrates and the marketing, but now also the insights and to, to do better business, to be more profitable, more effective in, uh, in, in the business of the, of the bottlers.
0: Yes, but we're providing, we're providing leadership there. But if you look at the way we collaborated with the bottler here in Western Europe, it's a very strong, big bottler. It was an equal collaboration, I would say. Yeah. Uh, But obviously what we're trying to do is build a catalogue of algorithms that we can share with other bottlers that are less powerful, that have less means to do these type of things. So our role is a bit dual from that perspective. Okay, very interesting. And the the, the
1: revenue growth management was more about... What was the purpose of that? So the
0: revenue... We have done a very big programme in EMEA in the top 21 markets. So EMEA is like 122 countries, but we have... 21 top markets that are closely watched even by your senior leaders in Atlanta. And um, so we worked with McKinsey actually in in these top markets and they've done a, they've developed a a 10 step process that is helping the markets drive revenue. We used to be volume-focused, and actually we've changed the target in our company to be more Mm -hmm. revenue-focused. And they're helping us go through that process, and actually they've built a set of tools that we have reverse-engineered and that we are now deploying on our advanced analytics platform that is available for reuse by the other markets that are not necessarily the big markets, but that want to go through the same uh, process.
1: I think this is a very nice example how IT can be a driver of innovation and change and and, and business in, in a large corporate, right? Absolutely. So, let's talk a bit about how IT and Coca-Cola companies is, is organized. Do um, you have separate IT and digital, or how, how is your team and, and, and your collaboration with the business organized here?
0: I think I first need to explain how we organize that corporate, because it's important to understand that. So, we have a, a CIO, global CIO, who reports to the CEO. Our CEO used to be actually the, the boss of Europe, uh, and he's a true engineer, and he really understands what it means to collect, store data, and, and 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 apply big data uh, for the good of the company. He truly understands that. So. We have a global CIO reporting to him and then we have a chief digital officer as well, but the chief digital officer is actually part of the chief growth function, as we call it, which has the global marketing function, uh, the global digital function, the global customer function as well. So it's a bit broader than than marketing. Um, So we have a chief digital officer and actually I'm working very closely with this person as well. When you look at that, we're working very closely with them because we built at worldwide level This digital framework I refer to. It's been there for two years but we really use it for planning purposes and we're trying to fit all of the initiatives in in the different pillars of that digital framework. But then if you come to the field like Europe, Middle East and Africa, we have six business units. In every business unit we have an IT director and every business unit has a digital champion as well on the business side. And they work very closely hand in hand. What I have at a EMEA level as well is I have like three towers. I call it towers, but they're very important people and they are actually aligned with the structure of our digital framework. Mm-hmm. So one is responsible for digital marketing. The second one does more digitizing externally with our customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our customers is like Carrefour, Auchan. Yeah. Consumers are the people drinking our products, mm-hmm. which is seriously different. And then the third one is more around advanced analytics. Yeah. Obviously, there is back office work we need to do, um, there, is, there is infrastructure work we need to do, but these three pillars are the most important ones in, in our collaboration with the business. Yeah. Um, when you look at EMEA, what we're trying to do, obviously, these people are connecting a lot with the functions at EMEA level, and then we have the people in the business units to drive the change. In our business, the PL, the money, is at business unit level, yeah. so that's where the decisions are taken. It's very important. Yeah. Um, and, and we have, we have an EMEA digital council where we share best practices, but we have formal steering committees for these three pillars that we actually drive and facilitate from an IT perspective. But we co chair with marketing, we co chair with the customer team, and we co chair with the strategic uh, function. So that's a bit the way we operate. So it sounds very integrated. It's extremely matrixed, I would say. Okay. Yeah
1: your role wha- how would you describe your role in, in this matrix and this organization and how has it changed over the last ten years five years let's say yeah I guess
0: if if you look at my role I think the, the there are two pieces that are extremely important it's it 's the connection with the business and defining the strategy understanding how you apply new technology and make it relevant for your business. It's Mm -hmm. not just bringing the fancy stuff in because it needs to be at the right time for the right uh, business objective. So that's one one piece of of my role. Mm -hmm. The second piece for me is truly inspiring the teams and executing the promises you make um, and and i think it's 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 a, it's constantly balancing between these these two and setting expectations on on the business side as well on, on what you can achieve yeah. so that is very important uh in terms of my role now if you look at how things have changed the past five to ten years i think there is an internal factor that is important mm-hmm. you see a constant move of centralization decentralization, insourcing, outsourcing and all of that. I think it's nice after 18 years of restructuring that we can now start building up internal capabilities again. So I'm building uh, quite a big team in Sofia. We're like 130 people now. We're supposed to be 200 uh, in several months from now. But we have the opportunity to build something up, which is, which is a very positive feeling after having uh, laid off many people, to be honest, and, and, and outsourced a lot. Um, so there is that internal factor that changes your role drastically. But obviously, there is the external factor as well, where you have the quick change of technology. So applying the technology in your traditional business is something to watch out. But I guess the biggest change is, is, this, is all these big companies that are disrupting the traditional industries and that work a lot more in, 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 in ecosystems. They take a lot more partnerships mm-hmm. within a bigger uh, unit. They use technology at the basis of their business. And that's one of the most things that we need to watch out and where we have a role to play as to what does it mean for our company, yep. for our traditional business? How can it generate extra revenues? And how how do we fit in that bigger ecosystem, and where can we build partnerships uh, for the future?
1: How could I mean Coca-Cola is a, a traditional company. How how could the Coca-Cola model be disrupted? Because it's, it's not
0: something that you can replace with an app. We cannot replace it with an app, and we always have a physical product. Absolutely, absolutely true. Uh, that's it. We have. A a big consumer app in Eastern Europe life now, mm. which is helping in a totally different way to, to engage with our consumers in, in ways that we couldn't do before, which is very important because that's where we find our, our teens as well, with whom we connect a lot, of course. Um, the second piece is, if you look at um, the, the vending machines we have, the, the coolers we have, mm. It used to be a physical machine where you take a product, but now if you make these smart coolers, if you connect these devices, you can do simple things like asset management, predictive maintenance, but the opportunity to connect with the consumer again at the point of sales is huge. We also have the opportunity, we have uh, the freestyle machines. I'm not sure whether you know our freestyle machines where you can actually uh, take a product and mix the product according to your personal choice. The question is, do you keep it just in, in restaurants, in, in Horeca, or are we allowing to have these type of things at home? And what does it mean in terms of collecting data, understanding our consumers, etc. Um, now, one of the other things I want to say is that if you look at our strategy going forward now, um, we're actually wanting to be a lot more consumer-centric than we've ever been. We need to, if we want to grow our business, we need to. So what do we do? actually to become more consumer-centric we're broadening our portfolio as well so what you're seeing is that we we are going through quite some acquisitions yeah Mm -hmm. so for example costa coffee i think it's maybe a a bit less big in belgium but if you go to the uk if you go to china it's huge so we've taken over costa coffee uh, about about well actually fully taken over at the beginning of the year in january but if you look at the way these companies operate With a different mindset, because it's a lot younger companies, the way they use consumer data, loyalty, and all of that, we can learn a lot from that. So as we do acquisitions, we take all these uh, capabilities and tools uh, with us as well.
1: You, you, You talked about that you're happy to insource back, to bring in the team. In your organization, what makes sense to outsource and where do you say these functions we absolutely need crucial we need to keep in in, in, in the house
0: well i think i think uh, for me it's fairly simple there is such a thing as commodity services Mm -hmm. and there are things that give you a different competitive advantage and that's for me the basic choice Uh, so you want to build internal capability where you believe that you know that you build competitive advantage now that's it I told you we are the Coca-Cola company and there is, it makes sense from time to time, even for commodity services, to build up internal capabilities, if we can deliver the services later on to our bottling partners, so we build synergies in, in, in the whole system. But the biggest the biggest thing for me is yeah. building something unique that gives you that advantage in the market. And EMEA you
1: have a big team in Sofia, uh, how is your team organized in, in the different regions and 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 can you talk a bit about your management style how do you attract the right people how do you make them happy and successful how do you retain your people talk a bit about how you build teams
0: yeah so we were talking about the structure so i have my it directors in the business units Um, i have quite some people still here in brussels that are more the towers as we said so um and and they are doing more the client facing roles and the delivery happens then from Sofia. so that is in, in very short, how we are structured. Now, I think, I think attracting people attracting people at Coca-Cola is not always that difficult. It's very simple because we have an iconic brand and, and people like that. Um, I have been here for 24, 24 years myself, so I, I need to bad. admit that <laughs> we don't have many people leaving either. Um, but, but I think there is the iconic brand. Obviously, what Coca-Cola does, we have very, very good leadership programs as well. So we give a lot of opportunities for people to develop themselves, both uh, from a leadership perspective as well as any technical skills um, they want to develop. Um, But there's maybe one element I would like to stress here. Obviously, I've been chairing the Women Leadership Council for five years, uh, between 2013 and 2018. And we've actually put a lot of effort in making sure that we have more female participation in senior uh, leadership roles. And we actually moved from 21% in 2013 to 38% in 2018. And I think that's been a big achievement. Obviously, we've put quota and I must admit these quota have helped focus on the right things. But one of the important elements we discovered was that the point of recruitment of people is extremely important. So what we see is that when you, as a line manager, you want to recruit people, obviously, you want to do that as soon as possible. The sooner it's done, the easier for you, because you don't have to fill the gap. Now, what I've noticed is that if I give myself the time to push our HR services to really find a balanced pool of candidates with an equal number of females, males, and on top of that, if we interview, if we have the, the, the interview panel be 50-50 mixed as well, we've seen big results. Okay. So one of the things we're trying to do now is, from, uh, from an HR perspective, is making sure as we try to acquire talent, is have a, a mixed pool of candidates and a mixed pool of interviewers. And we've seen a drastic change since then and what's
1: the result if you have a team of 20% women or
0: 40% women what, what, what changes in a, in, a, in a team well actually actually you know th- what the studies say is that whatever number of people you have in a meeting room as from the moment you have three women you break through the 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 traditional um, typical stereotype of environment okay. so I'm not sure the 20 to 40% makes a difference I think As a leader, it's extremely important that you accept diverse contributions. So you might have a meeting with 50% women, 50% men. If these 50% women don't speak up, your environment is not diverse. And as a leader, and I think I'm trying to focus on that based on all uh, the things I've been involved with in the past, I really try to make sure that all people speak up and it's not just about women it's about more junior people more senior people you know we have a team obviously crossing to South Africa in in, in you know different ethnicity different religions all of that yeah. but as a leader focusing making sure that people uh, contribute in a diverse way is actually the most important one
1: and you get better creative ideas you get a, a different culture you get more actually, collaboration what is the result well
0: the, the thing is the thing is t- you have a better reflection or a better mirror of society in your team yeah. that is helping you to take decisions that is more relevant in the market and creativity and innovation is anyway boosted by it because you come with so many diverse ideas that actually when you can build on each other you come to the to the next idea
1: so for you diversity is it reflects the customer the end customer so therefore we better understand and and it brings more creativity new better ideas it boosts your business performance for sure that's been proven in many studies yeah okay so let's let's talk about a bit more about we talked about management, but let's talk about leadership. Why do people want to work for you? What makes you special? What makes that they want to join Coca-Cola, and but also want to join you and in, in, in your team?
0: I think there is an element of authenticity that is important. I think uh, being an authentic la- leader and having one story is, is extremely important. The other element I think that helps people is truly empowering the teams, truly trusting the teams. Um, I've had examples in the past of people that truly micromanage me. I'm not a fan of that. I I really struggle with that, to be honest. So I'm I'm giving freedom uh, to the teams, but I'm very clear about what I want to see achieved. So it's more about working with them on the direction, but then letting them define how they achieve the goal. Um, And I think that is very important. And, and one of the things that inspired me as a leader, that helped me is I'm actually, I'm actually very keen on helping people, developing people, making sure they grow, etc. And that's something that I think I bring to the teams. You know, when you look at the engagement survey, actually, I was very proud of that. Our team, our EMEA IT team, we had for every category 15 to 20 percent higher scores versus global IT versus the company. So I think we're doing certain things right. Yep. Um, and and one of the other elements that came out was that I'm I'm trying to listen to the teams as well because sometimes people more down in the organization struggle with certain things and leaders are not always open to listen to that. Yep. And I think it's important to understand that. So I'm trying to be a good listener and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not always a good listener but I'm trying to be a good listener and help people uh, break bottlenecks and make sure in our heavy matrix structure yep. in corporate that they can grow through and that they can uh, do the work they need to do
1: okay so let's talk about a a bit about your personality you told me um, I'm I'm a fan of MBTIs although it's not necessarily scientifically proven but it can we can learn a lot from it I think you told me that your uh, personality type is ENTP and an ENTP is described as the visionary It's somebody who is inspired that inspires innovators that motivates to find new solutions to intellectually challenging problems. You are curious, clever, seek to comprehend people, systems, and principles that surround you. You're open-minded, unconventional. You want to analyze, understand, and influence other people. Is that a good reflection of um, who you are as a, a, a as a person?
0: I wish I was that perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think, I think it's a good reflection. If you look at the... So my type really is uh, ENTP. So the extrovert, and I think sometimes people, people might be interpreting it wrongly. So it's like people that talk a lot and people that are in big groups and like to be, you know, in, 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 in the attention spot, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not shy, but it really means where you get your energy from. Mm -hmm. So, and it's true when I'm working and operating with a team, I can produce a lot more when I'm sitting with people. I understand. The big thing I had to learn was that I had introvert people in my team that have the opposite. They need their own energy they need to, to, produce. to produce. Yeah. And I remember I had once a guy on Monday morning and he says, Sabine, I'm introvert and I had a meeting with you. My energy is gone <laughs> for the week. <wind. laughs> so I had to learn to balance my own energy the way I use the energy of other people and make sure that if people are different that they actually have energy left to do their own work so that was an important learning for me now the intuition is i i I still like you know facts and all of that but i think after a while definitely when you're 24 years in a similar environment that has evolved a lot by the way i think you start understanding some of the some of the triggers and you use some of your gut feeling to take decisions which has proven in general, to be okay, but obviously it's not always the right decision. But even with facts, you can take. You don't you can need take. all the details. No, no, as no, no. As no, no. As
1: long as you understand the concept, absolutely the, the big pattern,
0: then you're ready to de- yeah. make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Then when we talk about the T, I used to be an F actually. I used mm. to be more feeling and people focused. um But then I had a coach, and she said, Sabine, be careful, don't be hen So I was quite close to my people. And the problem is when you work long in a company, you you build up quite some deep relationships with certain people. And when you grow, sometimes you have to take very hard decisions. So at a certain point in time, you need to learn to take distance from people as well and do these type of things. So that's one of the things I've evolved in. And then the last one, perceiving I'm extremely flexible, open-minded. I like change a lot. I even like change. So... It's not that I'm struggling with change, but I like it. Yep. Um, and, and I'm always open to consider different options and change, uh, change the way we go if the context is demanding. So, so I'm very fine uh, doing so.
1: Let's test this here. Um, I've uh, studied uh, or I, I researched a bit on the, ne- the weakness side of an ENTP, and we're just trying out this. They say uh, ENTPs can be very argumentative insensitive, intolerant, difficult to focus, and you don't like practical matters. Do you recognize any of that? And how do you work with that? Because nobody's perfect. So we all has, have our development areas, let's say.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest one is most probably is the, po- the focus piece. Okay. So I like to know a lot, to know a lot of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot as well, and I know for my work, I, I constantly have to remind myself, Sabine, these are the top three things and I'm going to focus on because them. Because everything is interesting. Absolutely. So, but it's an absolute focus point. And I've done a leadership program with feedback and it's exactly the point that came out. I'm not sure I argue for the principle of arguing. I might have given up. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Now, um, what, is your, what
0: is one of your most
1: important uh, personal mantras? Tell me about your personal mantra so one of the things
0: I would typically say to younger people and, and, and people in the team as well is, when you put company interest above personal interest, your career will fly naturally. Okay. Yeah, it's something that worked for me. And to be honest, I think you always need to be clear for yourself on what motivates you in the career, what motivates you on a daily basis as well. Mm-hmm and start from there. I don't have a problem with people that are extremely ambitious either, because I know there are different personalities, mm-hmm. but I have a tendency to look at what people truly deliver to the, to the agenda of the business, rather than uh, you know the people that are driving very much their personal agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing, and I think the second one I've said multiple times to people is embrace change. Okay. So there's a lot of change internally, Externally and and really when you go through change, trying to understand what is happening, why is it happening, what's my place in this, how can I help it and be truly, truly, truly resilient has helped many people. But you like
1: change as yes. an NTP,
0: you thrive on
1: change, yeah. but most people don't. So how can you help them to embrace that uh, change? How do you do that? That's
0: well. N- you know, I've gone through restructurings where I had to bring very bad news to people. Yeah. I've actually supported people that struggled with the change. I've supported them more on a day-to-day basis even. So, and, and you need to help people explain that change is important. You help them explain what it means to them and you help them give them a place in that bigger change. But I think you need to work with people that struggle with that yeah. on a more frequent basis. Others, they fly with it some don't and the importance is in you know today with all the changes in different companies in the end it's important that people have a market value right and if you focus on that they will always find a place and I must admit I've had people that left the company I support them finding a new job and all of that so I'm going through that as well
1: when you get up in the morning what makes you happy that you can do this job what drives you in your in your job and in your life for
0: me the biggest driver is impact yeah so and it's twofold actually when I do something for the company I was talking about outlet segmentation and if you know we have a percentage of uplift that is driven by the piece of work you've done it's extremely satisfying for me so the impact on the business is something that drives me the second the second one is actually even more important I think is the impact I have on people and the fact that I can help people in my team grow, get more out of them than they think they have, yeah. and let them thrive uh, from a professional perspective. So impact for me is something that, that gives me self-satisfaction. It's not necessarily the position or, or the role I have, but it's more, it's more really uh, having that impact. And I guess the second piece is what, what drives me is um, what, people, what my people always say is that I have too much energy. So I guess the energy and the passion is keeping me, is keeping me up as well. But I know that is a bit innate and, and, and part of myself. Okay. Now,
1: you uh, have a very high energy, you work hard, international job, you travel a lot. How do you combine that with your, with your personal life and with your family? Mm. Can you talk a bit about that? That's not an easy thing either, I, I can imagine. No, no,
0: and my husband is doing the same, huh? so he's also having a job in EMEA, so yeah. we're traveling a lot. Now, the kids are a bit older now, uh, so they're both, uh, they're both studying at university, so they're no longer at home during the week, which is, which is making things easier. But when they were younger, we had a, a very clear agreement that there would always be one of the two at home so our, our our respective assistants actually they were scheduling the meetings in our respective calendars as well so we knew when one was traveling uh versus the other and and that's the way we we kept up with with the kids now um i must admit that the balance isn't always easy and and actually i had a little health hiccup uh, about two years ago um which has has made me think a bit differently about life as well so I guess I was immune to stress, but, but apparently it wasn't. Um, so one of the things I've really changed in my life now is that I'm actually meditating on a day-to-day basis. I'm doing yoga every day, and it's something I can encourage everyone to do, and don't wait until you have a big hurdle or a big, a big uh, problem in life. Yeah. Um, and it's really helping you to come to yourself, to focus as well. So that's one of the things that helped me in my professional life as well. And, and, and it's really thinking about the now here, what am I doing? It's helping you to be a lot more mindful of, of what matters at that moment of time. And, and it's been a big, a big change in my life. How did you get started with that? Because Many of us have the
1: idea we, we, we need to meditate and be more mindful uh, or do something. Yeah. How do you get started with something like that?
0: Yeah, well, actually, I had a big, I had a big warning for my health. So I, I, the, the trigger to start was, was, not, was, not, uh, was not complicated. But I was at home for several months. So I've actually followed a real mindfulness course. Mm-hmm. So I went three hours a week for eight weeks a training and um and since i've left the training i haven't missed one day but you know the only thing is you know i hope i can encourage people by spreading the word to do that and trigger them to start doing it uh before you get before you get the the warning in life so could could you
1: formulate doing your daily meditation what does it what does it bring you what how did uh, how has that changed your life
0: how has it changed my life? It's, it's allowing you to declutter, I would say. There is a lot of, there is a lot of, um, I don't know how you say it in English, hearers, noise, clutter. There is a lot around people, even now with social media, the distraction there is in life is huge. I've completely gotten rid of it, to be honest. Because if you look truly at what's on there, what it brings to you in life, it doesn't help. So it's freeing up lots of quality time. Lots of time you can find rest. Lots of time you can actually spend with the people you truly like. Um, and at work, at work, you can do the same. It, it helps you look at the things that truly really matter. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, in, in your professional, and your personal life, I'm sure there were a couple of mentors, people that you look up to. Could you give an example of people of people in your life that played an important role uh, and, and what you learned from them
0: Yeah, I'm not going to give a famous name here I'm, I'm going to talk about a previous boss I had actually. I had a, a female CIO, a British lady. Uh, I think I worked for about three, four years for her at the beginning of the year 2000, and I think she really shaped my personality. she shaped my career absolutely um she's been a very inspiring leader the way she connected with the business the strategic conversations she had the ability to shape important initiatives but really shape it because you can have lots of ideas but she was really able to make a big initiative of it Mm -hmm. and then execute it and the way i was working with her she absolutely got more out of me than I thought and it boosted my confidence. And um, she left actually because she, she went working for a, a venture capitalist firm. And, and it's where I become, became the CIO of Europe actually. So she really made me ready for the role. And in the beginning it was kind of a bit you know, happening to me. And, and, and I think I've learned from her and, and the envy I have to do the same with people around me is actually huge.
1: Now we're doing the the, the series of interviews to uh to research and to find out what is the dna of of successful international cios and so if you would um, need to give advice to um, future cios people that are, are aspiring to become the digital leaders of the future what would be the things that you would that
0: you would advise them Specifically for CIOs, yeah, because you have leaders and then, and then CIOs. Um, if, you, if you specifically talk about international CIOs, there is obviously, there's clearly two components. Eh? You have the international component and then there is the technology. Um, if you talk about the international component, all big companies have fairly complex structures, are highly matrixed, most of them. And some have the capability to still be very agile, and others struggle with old processes, bureaucracies, mm. etc So truly applying agile principles in a traditional environment is extremely important now if you 're a CIO of one of these new companies, I think the balance might be opposite, where you need to think about how how do you how do you start from a, a, a small company that's built on technology and how do you become a bigger company? Yep. It has different challenges and I, I guess I have less, less experience with that. But
1: in the corporate, uh, it's
0: you need another approach. But in corporate organizations, yeah, and, and agility is important because of everything moving so fast, competition moving fast, technology moving fast. The tech firms in itself that are disrupting your industry are are, are are very fast in not just applying technology, but also building partnerships. So you always have to be very vigilant, very externally focused, and making sure you understand your customer, your competition, and the technology landscape very well, and then see how you can apply that to your existing company. So is
1: it important to, as as, as a CIO or a digital leader, to to change or to modernize the the culture in an organization is that's what that is that what is really necessary in many big corporates that you need an agile but it's absolutely Uh,
0: but it's this is not just uh, agile is important if you go through if you go to true DevOps organizations it's important as well now agile is a big word for an organization that can be very adaptable, very flexible, towards a very strict methodology. So the question is, how do you get there? And actually, at Coke, we are using the agile methodology, mm. business-wide. So it's not just for IT okay. to drive the change. But driving the change to become more flexible is something different than having the right leadership behaviors in place. So at Coke, we have four leadership behaviors that are extremely important. Mm. So it's around um, it's around empowerment. It's around empowerment, empowering the teams, trusting the teams, it's around curiousness, so be very, very externally focused. It's around agile, and what we say, progress over perfection, and the the concept of a minimum viable product has really been embedded in our our company now, and then the last one is something we did with the Leadership Council. We put uh, inclusiveness as a uh, fourth growth behavior as well, and then making that change behavioral is very important now we had a very very big uh, top 200 uh, leadership meeting in in vale at the end of february and one of the big things that came out is that as a leader it's important to create a safe environment and therefore as a leader it's okay to demonstrate your own vulnerabilities and that's if if it's only that is that is the big thing we're trying to change now. But you need to have the capability to yeah, absolutely. It's complete authenticity. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Are there
1: other topics that you wanted to discuss? Well if, if you were on this side of, uh, of 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 this interview, what is the what would you ask yourself? What is it that you would still want
0: to share with
1: our community of CIOs?
0: Yeah, I think maybe one of the things obviously I'm talking I'm talking with the perspective of being part of a big uh, corporate organization. And I've spoken a lot about the ecosystem partnerships, etc. But I think one of the elements that is important as well as a CIO is how do you bridge your role as a CIO internally in your company with the opportunities of the huge number of startups that is available on the market. Mm And so what we're trying to do as an organization is work, uh, we do it now with a series of companies in Tel Aviv, but I personally think we need to make it broader and not just be, be constrained to one one location, but it's really making sure that we give the opportunity to, to a high number of startups to pitch. We explain what is important from a business perspective, from our, and then we try to find a match as well. Okay. So like every year, we select about 10 companies with whom we work, in the consumer space, in the customer space, and a lot of, there's a lot around advanced analytics and building algorithms. Um, and what we give in return to these people is make sure that, because they typically are engineers, so they have a good product, we learn them to do the sales, the pitching, and to do the marketing, because that's our expertise. And if there is a good match, actually we get A a sort of exclusivity in return. Obviously, not eternal, because that doesn't that doesn't make them viable either. But that's that's one of the elements that is important. And I think bridging bridging these things, uh, working with governance, working with startups, even education systems, and bridging all of that is is important if you want to leave a legacy more more in in a society.
1: So um, coming to the end of this this conversation, thank you very much. That's I'm, I'm trying to see if we could, I'm trying to look at what are the, the core values that, that drives you. I think authenticity is one of them, impact is one of them, empowering people. So uh, I see the drivers, the four drivers
0: of Coke are very close to your absolutely to your personality. Absolutely, no? yeah. But I think for me, the, the authenticity, honesty is extremely important. Um, have one agenda, whether, you know, independently of who you talk to, you have a clear set of principles you stand for and that is you. And, and I like working with people that have these same uh, uh, principles, of course. Now one of the things, if you talk about honesty, authenticity, if I, think, if I think what I'm trying to bring to my kids as well, it maybe has to do with inclusiveness, diversity, but I think it's important for my kids To be able to do critical thinking i think our education worldwide and and you see it happening has clearly a lack of critical thinking but when you do critical thinking i think finding the balance between having your own opinion and listening to others and 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 really changing your mind based upon a broader understanding of what's happening in the world in different cultures is going to make you a more tolerant person uh, in the end and that is something i'm trying to bring as well.
1: so you want to bring them up as respectful critical thinkers absolutely okay good thank you again Sabine for this wonderful conversation pleasure uh, it's uh, uh, thank you for uh, sharing all your insights and your visions and uh, and 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 how you organized and how you're wired yourself I think this is a very nice example that many people can learn from Uh, and and a good example of the DNA of a successful CEO. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.